And I'm here with Jerry. But before we get into Jerry's story, I want to recap mine a little bit. As you know, I have this story of recovery. I'm a teacher. And being a teacher is kind of where your story plays in a little bit. We'll get into that when we talk about what it is to be a CODA. Um, But coming from a story of recovery, I'm always just, you know, just living my life to its fullest because I never know what's going to happen. I'm healthy now, which is amazing. Yeah. And being healthy helps me open up to all new people and all kinds of people. And you are one of those amazing people who have come into my life literally like six weeks ago. And this, <laughs> is, my, believe, right? this is my first time seeing you in the flesh. Correct. And I, I don't even know what to do with myself. The first time we talked, we talked for two hours yeah. and I was like, uh, Jerry, Jerry. And my computer completely died. <laughs> I, I do ramble a little bit. You're going you're gonna to have to ask me to stop. We need a safe word. <laughs> so um, the safe, just yell my name, Rachel. And I'll, right. I'll be right here. But anyway, so again, this is Hungry to Live. I'm here with Jerry Ferris. Some of you may know Jerry because he was part of Bachelor Nation years ago. But we're also really here to talk about his story growing up, being a CODA, a a child of deaf adults, what that means, what that means for his community, what that means as being an advocate, just like I am a child advocate as a special education teacher. And he's also a father. Like, this man is amazing. So without further ado, here is Jerry Ferris. I would love for you to start from the beginning and welcome. Well, first of all, Rachel, thank you for having me in your cool studio. This is great. I've never been in front of a glowing mic before. Uh, like you said, I, I think I'm, I'm dad first. I'm husband. I'm uh, a very proud Coda. Both my parents are deaf, and um, and a podcaster. You know, it's like like you. This has been a fun journey for me to connect with people and uh, use this platform to hear other people's stories to enrich my own life. And like you mentioned, it brought us together somehow. So I'm, I'm very grateful. Amazing. So speaking of platforms, briefly, I just want to talk about how in a past life, you yeah. were on The Bachelor, The Bachelorette. Sure. Yeah. And um, how was it being balancing two different worlds? Because you had come from this world of kind of knowing who you were, knowing where you came from conversing and communicating for yourself and your family, but now being in this reality and reality TV world where things were being manipulated a little bit, maybe, maybe not, but having, how, how did you find a balance in that communication style, given your background? Yeah, that's an interesting question. You know, I, I, first of all, the bachelorette or being on the show um, taught me to say yes to the moment because I had actually first said no to doing the show. I thought that who, that's who, who would ever do a reality show. This is crazy. And a friend of mine had asked me, he said, why are you saying no? You don't even know what you're saying no to. So he, 
he encouraged me to go do it. And I did. I, it was one interview after the other. And then it was next thing you know, and I'm, I'm flying back to New York to shoot the show. And um, it felt very, uh, God, it was, it was, it was, it was kind of like fate because I had not been back to Manhattan since I left after 9-11. And um, it kind of forced me to go back to where I was from. So I'd never been to the mansion before. I missed that whole experience we shot in lower Manhattan, but it was cool. And, um, and I did not know what I was saying no to, because as you pointed out in a past life, yes, I did do the show, but that show ironically introduced me to being a Coda. I didn't even know what that meant. It was the hometown date when I introduced my mom to Jen and to America at that time, where I, I started to get, letters from kids who had deaf parents or, or parents who had deaf kids. And they were so proud that I shared my family on television. And I didn't even know what that meant. I did not, I didn't realize the impact that it would have on people. And there was a great camp for kids who have deaf parents called Coda West. And they had reached out to me to see if I would come to speak. And I said, yeah, but what's a Coda? And they said, you're a Coda. And, um, and that's when I found out that I was a child of deaf adults. Now, that's something that I had known my whole life, but I had never been labeled that before. So it took me to be on a reality show and uh, 30 years old before I found out that I was actually a CODA. But I was glad I found out. And it just really connected me to a whole community that I didn't even know existed. And um, I'm grateful for that. All right. Well, so for those listeners or the listener who isn't sure, as Jerry said, he's a CODA, a child of a deaf adult or child of deaf adults. Both of his parents are deaf, correct? Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. And so how was it as a child communicating for yourself and communicating for the adults in your life? You know, my, my mom just called me last week to remind me or to ask me if I remembered a loan that she had applied for. And I, I said, mom, because I, I was involved with everything. I was part of every parent teacher conference, right? So I was the star student every time I, I was the one interpreting. So there was, <laughs> there was no miscommunicating. But I was part of like every, like whenever my parents um, had it or like they wanted to order a pizza or, um, you know, if it was important, like, uh, you know, if there was a death in the family or anything. So I was always the interpreter. But she called me to ask me about the loan. And I vaguely remember the loan, but she said, Jerry, do you read? <laughs> I want to tell you that it was a 30-year loan and not a 15-year loan. And she goes, I finally paid that off thanks to you. And I'm like, I was not the guy. Like, I was just <laughs> in the middle of this, the, of the whole facilitating the conversation. So I, 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 I'd, always, I'd always been the communicator for the family. Always. Yeah. Did you feel extra pressure when things like the loan or other, putting yourself in positions, adult-sized opportunities and decisions as a child, how did that affect you as, as you started to mature? Like, did you realize the, not only the impact you had on your family, but how did that change how you viewed who you were as a person? Cause I could only imagine at a young age, taking in all of that was probably a ton of pressure on you. You know, I, I was really lucky and I'm not saying that this is every kid's experience. But for me, I was really lucky. My parents were very independent. Um, my dad was the coolest guy. He rode a Harley, you know, and he, and he, and he worked at Kodak and he had tattoos and, and he was just a badass. and mom was full of love. So, you know, I, I only, I liken uh, my deaf culture to any other culture, 
you know, and, and, and I was very lucky because I had a very full culture, you know, my deaf community was, it was made up of different color skin and different sizes and shapes and different uh, subcultures. But like, for me, I had a community that was built around language and um, a common bond. And, and so, you know, it would be like going to someone's house whose family only spoke Italian and, um, and learning about that. So that's what it was like for me. But there was sometimes there was pressure, you know, um, you do find yourself being in tough positions when you have to be the first one in the room to know uh, the diagnosis of something and you have to quickly process that and communicate that. And uh, oftentimes uh, you're 10, 12 years old and you're telling somebody that you love that something bad is going on. So um, there was definitely situations like that. I can't, I, I can't even imagine what that would be like. Um, to have to process that that information and then talk through it, but like talk yourself through it before you sign it because that's a whole it's, other it's, like. <laughs> there's just, I, you must have like most people have one hamster wheel. You probably have two. Oh, there's there's and they're like going yeah, yeah. separate separate ways. Sure. Um, so you talk about this idea of being labeled, and you didn't realize you were labeled until you realized you were being labeled. And right. I know this is an ongoing being a father. How does this coincide with raising a son and him coming home with certain questions about other people or other students? And if there's talk about how a child is performing versus how a child, how another child might be playing in a sport, like this whole idea of labeling around being a child is how can you speak to that? You know, it. It's, it's a tricky thing because I feel like I always say to my wife that inevitably we're screwing it up, right? We're just doing the best that we can. But, you know, he's eight years, he's eight years old now and I couldn't be more proud of him. Like we hit a home run with this kid, but we, it, we had some challenges getting here. Um, and he is at that age where he's describing things differently or people, you know, he's learning from what he hears around him. And, and, and so, you know, he, he's definitely has questions. Um, but when, when it comes to labeling things, it's, it's interesting, uh, you know, we, um, as much as um, I am proud to be a CODA and, and um, plenty capable of facilitating communication and being an advocate, I, I helped start a language interpreting service um, to provide interpreters at hospitals and um, at, uh, in, in our prison system. And, you know, we did a lot of work and fast forward to the newborn um, hearing screening after my son was born. He did not pass his test, uh, not once, not twice, but three times. And when they confirmed that my son had hearing loss, I was filled with such such mixed emotions because I I never thought how I would deal with it. Normally it was easy for me to be an advocate for something else because it was a little bit distant, but now it was my own son. And the irony was we, it was confirmed that he had hearing loss um, moments before my mom arrived. And it was the first time that we actually had a really heavy conversation about her deafness and how she feels about it and how she felt about it. And uh, fast forward to now, he's, he's a kid who has a hearing aid in his left ear. Um, it's kind of something that's really special. We did a, um, we did a show and tell at school. He wanted to do, uh, the letter was H for him. So it was H for hearing aid. And uh, we did a whole presentation and I was really proud of him. And, 
a few days later, I started getting several phone calls from parents asking me what a hearing aid was because their kids wanted one. So it was like, it was cool. He kind of removed the stigma from it. So it's, I think it's like that with anything. If you could kind of just instill in them to be proud of whatever it is that they, they're dealing with, uh, whatever challenges that they have, and they can articulate that and they're comfortable in their own skin, um, they could handle, you know, any type of diversity. It's like parenting the child you have, not the child you want or the child you anticipated. Yeah. Yeah, Or yourself, right? Like you're trying to like correct or project your own feelings onto your kid. It's, It's a hard thing. Yeah. So you speak about this community and advocating for CODAs and the deaf and hearting, deaf and hard of hearing community. And there is this amazing movie out now called CODA. So how does having a movie that embraces your culture, your community, the first of its kind. I mean, I've never seen a movie before that is almost 95% in sign. There are subtitles and it's up for an Oscar. Like what? Like I saw it and I was (laughs) blown away and being a special ed teacher, like it hit me on a different level because Mm -hmm. I'm just surrounded by these different challenges within learning itself and different communities and different learning styles. And then I was like, wow, this is mainstream. Like it's made it mainstream. So being someone in that community, what is it like? I look, I, I, people look like me on TV, right? Growing up, I, I, I see myself in TV commercials and I see myself on television shows and in movies. Um, but then when I saw myself, when I saw my community represented in a way that was very genuine and honest, it moved me in such a powerful way. I had to judge Coda on so many different levels. I was like, was it really as good of a film as I thought, or was it my totally bias? But to see my family, like to see, we all can relate to those stories, and and um, it's loud around the house, and and it's it's uh, full of passion and emotion, and and it was really incredible to see a family be a family, not like this is a film about the token deaf person. It was actually like you, you had some insight into this beautiful world and the challenges that they face and the, and the prejudice and the, um, and the obstacles and how they can overcome that stuff. And, and then you take away this, this, this language, but like more importantly, like you can see the love that they all have for each other. And, and I, I, I've known Troy for a long time and to see him um, go from sleeping in cars and couch surfing to standing up there accepting awards on behalf of an entire community is makes me so proud. It's it's the coolest thing, and it's a good film. It's like it's like we can all get behind it. It's actually a pretty great film. Yeah, it is a great film, and for those who haven't seen it, the listener who is kind of like, what are they talking about? It's this amazing film about a family of four. Three of the members of the family are hard of hearing. And the one member of the family who has is able is hearing and is able to speak is also a lover of music. And she gets into a music program, but her whole entire family can't hear her sing. So it's just, it's moving on so many levels. And it goes to show how messy relationships and family life is. And that's kind of exactly what this podcast is, how messy life is, the stigma, the taboo, talking about it and just talking about it, period, whether that be talking, signing, writing about it, all the different ways to communicate these feelings, because as human beings and a human connection, we are all connected. And it's how we find that connection to empower each other. 
So on that note, I wanted to say, or actually not say, I wanted to ask you, what keeps you hungry to live? Well, okay. <laughs> I'm going to buy myself some time here by um, saying that, that uh, I do want to point out that, that it, the deaf community is very proud of, of, of being called deaf and not um, it's, it's, it's not hearing impaired. So like, so as we move forward, it's, it's, you know, they're, they're deaf and, and, and hearing impairment, it has a real negative connotation. It's interesting. I have to learn that myself all the time we can see it as an impairment, but it is, is not that way within the community. So it's like, okay, we're, we're deaf. Um, can I just really quickly say thank you for correcting me? Because that's part of, that's part of also why I have this podcast because while I'm interviewing somebody and hearing their story, I'm also learning. I'm learning so much. So being a special ed teacher, DHH, deaf and hard of hearing is actually what it's still labeled as, as, as an eligibility. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so it's interesting that something I do every day, it's actually not that label we were talking about that makes people feel comfortable within that community. So that's amazing. Thank you for letting me know. Yeah, no, I, I, I hear all the time and I see it and I'm like, oh man, that so-and-so just stepped in that one. It's like, no, no, it's, they're, they're, we're deaf and we're proud. And I actually think this is like the year of the deaf. I mean, we, we, when you go back, just a little bit and eventually I'll answer your question. Um, you know, it was, it was sound of metal. There's an incredible short film right now that's up um, for an Academy award called feeling through. And it's, it's about a chance encounter with a deaf blind person. And, and that's an incredible story. And, and it's like, you know, what's nice about these films um, and audible audible is another great film about um, a, an all deaf school and a football team. And, and it's like a insight into their lives. And it's, you start to realize once you get past the deaf thing that these are human interest stories. These are like, we can all connect and learn from these stories. So, and they just happen to be deaf. Um, the thing that, that, that uh, to be hungry, to live, um, it's an interesting thing for you to ask me that because, you know, um, we, we've talked about this off, off, uh, uh, off air, I guess, but the, uh, um, I had lost my dad uh, to a car accident when I was young and, I was 15 and he was 39. I, I never planned on life after 39. I, I didn't know what that looked like, you know? And so, uh, you know, I'm 46 now. So for me, it's crazy to think that I've outlived my dad. Right. And, and so that's the hunger to live. Like for me is to like go see things that like he wasn't able to see. Cause my dad was always that fork in the road guy. He was like the guy that always wanted to like, most people say go left. He would go right. And um, it wasn't always right, but he would go and he would do it. And, and, um, and so I think that's what it is, is I, 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 because of what I learned from that. And also my mom, you know, when, when my dad passed away, she never stopped. Like she actually doesn't, now that I think about it, she doesn't get the credit that she deserves. She, she charged on, right. She was raising us and, and this tragic, tragic moment happened and uh, she never looked back. Like she loved us and she supported us and she worked hard and took us to all of our practices. And she was like the wrestling team's mom. She was my track team and football team's mom, my sister's basketball team's mom, you know? Um, so it's also for her that, that I guess gives me the hunger to live. Let's incredible because not everyone can say that it's their parents that give them their hunger to live, let alone have a story like yours where you, were communicating for them. You were literally the right hand 
all the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, to, pretty much to this day. I mean, considering their loan got paid off. Very well could have been my fault. I, don't know. <laughs> I was probably just trying to get home to go watch TV or something. It's like, yeah, yeah, she'll take it. 27% interest. No problem. <laughs> but there's this full connection throughout your entire family and your entire community yeah. that you bring with you in everything you do. And it's very apparent. And at this time, I want you to share your socials so everyone who's listening can find you. Oh, that's that's me, uh, that Jerry Ferris on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Like you can find me there. It's it's me on Facebook. It's it's me on on the internet. You can you can find me in those places. And I have a podcast. We're doing a really cool reboot. Uh, it's called Thirsty for Knowledge Podcast. And uh, like you, we we explore human interest stories, and we have a lot of fun doing it. As I said to Jerry when I met him originally, I was like, oh, we can uh, do something together. Thirsty for knowledge, hungry to live. I think we got something going on. We need all the other senses, right? We need a a smell and a... a... All right. So you can find me on Instagram, hungry.thenumber2.live or hungrytolive.com. You can subscribe to my blog. You can subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe, like, comment, review, do all the things for my podcast. I love that you're listening. If you are interested in being on my podcast as well, I would love to hear from you. Drop me a line on the website, again, hungrytolive.com. And I end every show with a poem about my guest. So I have written something for you. Oh, my. (laughs) (laughs) On a bended knee in season three, Jerry's life was about to change dramatically. Not how viewers anticipated, but life can be complicated. Jerry's story began before Bachelor Nation when he was literally a tool for translation. Using sign to communicate for his parents, a child of deaf adults provided him both negative and positive results. He has used sign language to connect in so many ways, like using it during podcasts so the deaf know what people are saying. He provides support to a community the general public cannot converse among, living in two worlds since he was young. Jerry is an inspiration, leaving viewers and listeners in admiration. Wow. Thank you for listening to Hungry to Live. I am Rachel, and this was Jerry. Thank you for having me. This Thank was you for great. Being here. In the right place, in the wrong way. Down on my luck, there were dark days. Had to switch it up, make it okay. So I gave up on the rat race Learned from my past and my mistakes Still got time, never too late No, I don't care what they say I came here to stay Through the days, the months, the years It wasn't easy getting here Never gave up cause I gotta, gotta, gotta have Turn the lights on, face my fears Never gave up cause I